Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host, Ed, and on today's show, we're breaking down PSG's win over Stade de Reims. We'll look back at PSG's defeat in the Champions League to AC Milan and look ahead to a pivotal stretch of matches that could decide whether season, the season is a success or not. That's a tongue twister. Uh, before we get to all that, let me remind you, go ahead and uh, subscribe to PSG Talk Extra Time for free. We're over on Substack. You got long-form articles from myself, uh, Jonathan Johnson from CBS Sports, some really good stuff. Um, and then, as always, you know, check out the latest PSG news, videos, all that good stuff over on PSGTalk.com. Um, all right, let me bring in my guest, making his triumphant return to the pod. We've got Mark Damon, longtime PSG Talk contributor from the great state of New York. Mark, welcome to the show. Before we get to PSG, have you already decided who you want to be quarterbacking your New York Giants next season? Um, not Daniel Jones. <laughs> so what, either one of the two top guys in the draft are fine with me, whether okay. they finish one, two, or three. I, I think it's pretty safe to say at this point the Giants are going to get a top three pick, and you know, you don't you don't ever want to really root for your team to lose, but. It, it's about time to start rooting for them to lose. They need to lose for their own good, and they're doing a great job of it. They don't need my help to lose. So, I think Caleb um, Williams would be happy with going to New York. So he's he's the top quarterback. So that'd be good I for think, you guys. Yeah. Well, uh, let's all hope these things sometimes <laughs> don't go the way you plan them. But um, so far, so good. But um, yeah, I know it's a here for my monthly check in. Um, <laughs> I interesting uh interesting last week or so in psg land i think um psg they go on the road stad dreams where it was the killian mbappe show the frenchman scored a spectacular hat trick and i thought gianluigi donnarumma he kept a clean sheet and was incredible um with several key saves with the win psu now clear top of the league on table they're ahead of nice monaco and lille mark what was your biggest takeaway from the match my biggest takeaway from the match is that PSG are still obviously a work in progress. And you go with another new manager, their third manager in three years. Um, and I think you're clearly seeing that this is better than the other two that they, you know, better than Pochettino and better than Christophe Galtier. Because you feel like you have a manager with a functioning brain on the, on the, on the sideline. And even if he doesn't always get it right initially, which, you know, sometimes you just get it wrong. And this is one of those games where, you know, besides the goal by Mbappe in the first two minutes, uh, PSG played pretty poorly in the first half. Um, rhymes were, First to every second ball, um, they recycled the ball well, were able to win it back. Uh, they got 19, I think they got somewhere like double-digit shots on goal, which is very rare for a team to do against PSG. Even a good team will rarely get that sort of volume of shots. Yeah, 19 total shots. Six of those were on target. They had an XG of 1.4. So that's yeah. pretty good, I would say. And and you and I actually would have expected the XG to be higher than that, to be honest. And I think, you know, this was a game where you get bailed out by your goalkeeper. And Gianluigi Donnarumma has been excellent this year. He's just been excellent. And is he the best at the at his feet playing the ball? No, he's not. But he's not as awful as he was. He seems to be getting better at it you know, he's good enough. 
And I think with the way, you know, PSG are going to be going forward, this is the, this is their goalkeeper. They're not going out and getting another one. So, you know, it's good to see him put together performances like this. And it helped that they were able to adjust in the second half. And I think we can, you know, get more into it. But the way that PSG sort of went false nine in the second half was able to settle things down because they were able to add more numbers to the to the midfield. They were able to bump in uh, Fabian Ruiz and they had Vitinha out there playing a more traditional midfield role, which again, I think helped. Uh, I, I don't know why they always feel like they can go with these super attacking uh, lineups against good league gun teams on the road, but it they're just not, uh, they don't work. Because it's again, it's very hard to break these low blocks down, and when you don't have enough midfielders in there, you're going to seed a lot of the the good chances. And once they made that adjustment, it was a much better second half. You get the two nothing lead, and then you can sort of sit on the game a little bit, and eventually get the third goal. Um, hard to say which one of those two Mbappe goals was better. I, I thought the second one, where he makes that little in cut, and then goes back to the far post. I thought that was probably one of his better goals, and you don't see him score goals like that very often off of his off-ball movement like that. So you just see him starting to just add things that he didn't have before, and it is sort of, you know, he he just keeps getting better, and it's, you know, very obvious that he just keeps getting better and better as, as he goes. And... You know, we'll talk about the Milan game and sort of how that how that sort of devolved in the second half, but it was a good bounce back. I'll I'll say that. And, you know, they needed to they needed to bounce back. They needed to to keep some sort of momentum and some sort of positive feeling, and they were able to do so. Absolutely. And and so my biggest I've got a few takeaways from this one and I'll just pick up on what you last said there. And we've sort of beaten this one into the ground, but it, it needs to be said again, I suppose, that in, in the QSI era, we just have a knack for big Champions League nights, whether you win or lose there, and then coming back to domestic play and just laying an egg. And we saw it earlier this season, PSG went had to go after a, a big win. They had to go to Ren. They were able to get that win, and here they go to another difficult away fixture here and get a 3-0 clean sheet. So say everything you will about PSG's away form uh, this season in the Champions League and how they struggled at Newcastle and AC Milan, but domestically they're going to venues that they typically will struggle, and they're winning pretty convincingly. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm just trying to pull up. Yeah, 3-1 was the win at Ren earlier this season, and then you get this win 3-0. So pretty impressive, and then you know Leon aren't really what they are, but PSG went there and won four one earlier this year as well. So PSG sort of have solved some of their domestic woes that definitely plagued them during the Gaultier and Pochettino eras. Um, so they cleaned that up. But my big takeaway, it's got to be Mbappe and uh, Donnarumma. Uh, Donnarumma, I, I've kind of hitched my wagon to him. Um, said that he needed to be the goalkeeper over Navas. Caught some flack for that, um, and. You know, understandably so. He did not get off to a great start in his PSG career, but this season he's played really well going to his, his old home there with the, the dollar rumors being thrown at him. I thought he had a pretty good match there against his former team. So, you know, he's continued to, to improve. Um, we're going to get to the attack. Maybe we should get to that or 
let, let, let me stick with it. Yeah, Mbappe. I think I think the I think the I think the 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 takeaway on the the negative side sure, is yeah. that they they've invested, and I won't say they've obviously you you go from your attack being Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe to Mbappe, um, Dembele, uh, Gonzalo Ramos, and. Uh, Randall Colomwani. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's a it's a it's a different shift, and it's very much uh, PSG have had to adjust, and it's been good at times. But I think you know it's the obvious issue is that Killian is playing as well as he's ever played, and he's been he's he's producing the goals the way you want him to produce. Uh, I would say Usman Dembele has been very good. He hasn't really been a goal scorer, but he's driving a lot of what PSG are doing in the attack, and he's been really good on that right-hand side, just creating scoring chances. So I can't complain about anything yeah. from Mbappe or Dembele, but it's really the Colomwani gonzalo ramos equation here that is questionable. And I think that's where you were going with that. I, I I look at the attack and I go, Gonzalo Ramos had the two goals. I believe in the one game he scored two goals. Was it in the Champions League against um, Dort? I'm trying to remember when he scored two goals. It was it was it, it did happen, but I remember a game where he did <laughs> score twice, and I don't remember him scoring really much after that. Can look and, it up here real quick. And Randall Colomani has been. Good in some games, but also invisible in others. So, I, I mean, that's really – you are seeing Luis Enrique trying to solve the puzzle here of how to make this attack more than just Kylian Mbappe. And if he doesn't score, they don't have a chance. And that's really been a problem for a while now. And Very much so, yes. I think – you know, you saw it at the very beginning of the year that he played Marco Asensio as a false nine, and that had a little bit of success. It did. Then Asensio got hurt, and Kang and Lee went off to the uh, to the Asian Games or whatever they call them. They didn't yeah. have him for a month, and Kang and Lee got hurt ahead of time, so they didn't really have him for a month and a half. So you saw in the second half they moved Kang and Lee into the false nine. And you played Dembele and Mbappe off the off the wings, and that seemed to just create more space. And it it sort of threw Rhymes off of who they you know what they were doing in the first half and how they were sort of taking away what PSG wanted to do. It was a good tactical adjustment, but I don't know how much I want to rely on false nines in big Champions League matches when you really do need to have all your goal scorers, you know, all of your, your three best goal scorers out there to force teams to have to defend that. Yeah. So we'll see. And I, I obviously think that the Gonzalo Ramos thing is sort of the, the more, I think he's been the more suspect of the two when it comes to him and Colomwani. I think Colomwani is, he's been fine. He's, there's a few chances he's missed on occasion but he's been able to score some goals he can you know when you're ahead and when you're playing sort of counter ball when you're ahead which is what this team wants to do Colomani sort of fits into that and I don't know what 
right now Gonzalo Ramos can do to get himself in this lineup. Because it seems like the plan B is now, maybe even the plan A is to go false nine for a while. Especially with Asensio coming back, you may see Gonzalo Ramos really not play much at all going forward this season. And that's a weird one because I think Gonzalo Ramos is an excellent player. And I think he's an excellent number nine. And he sort of brings that Cavani style that I think PSG have missed. That sort of those gritty kind of goals. But it doesn't seem like he's confident in what he's doing. It doesn't seem like he's making the sort of effective runs. And he's not getting the kind of service. And there's some stats that show that PSG are one of the worst sort of of the of the big you know of the big teams in the top 5 leagues are one of the worst teams at generating chances off of crosses and that doesn't surprise me they've been bad at that for a while and that goes back to sort of they again they have not been good at that for i would say years i don't think that that's sort of a new phenomenon that's developed and i think that you know, Lu- Lucas Hernandez is a decent crosser. Uh, Dembele is a decent crosser, but he's not, it's not, I would say, the best thing he does. And Hakimi as a fullback is not really a crosser either. And neither is Nuno Mendes when he comes back. So there's not, I think, a, a very logical way that PSG are all of a sudden going to get better at, at crosses. Like, w- what you saw in the AC Milan game, and I think what actually where sort of Luis Enrique figured it something out was that Canyon Lee, who I, I always, I struggle with him and cut me off if I'm going on too long, but it, I, I struggle with him because he doesn't play any defense. He's just, he's not going to play. He's like Messi. He's not going to play defense at all. Sells as but, many jerseys as Messi too, probably. I think so. <laughs> but in, in, a, in certain situations, like if you play him in the right position, he can be maybe one of PSG's, if not PSG's only sort of ch- generator of chances from the middle of the field. Like you notice again, PSG play a lot. A lot of their chances are coming from the outside. You know whether it be the fullbacks cutting in or whether it be Mbappe cutting in, but just a guy in the middle of the field generating chances. Like Kangin Lee was actually doing that for them in in that Milan game and it, you know he was the guy that almost got them that tying goal in the second half it hit like I think it either hit the post or it was just right outside the post but like they're going to have to figure out which combination works and in which situations to use them because they haven't figured that out yet and that's going to be a really difficult uh, process because you're going to have a lot of guys with a lot of feelings hurt that aren't going to get playing time. They're used to playing a lot. And Luis Enrique is going to have to be ruthless about who he plays and who he doesn't. And he's going to have to be confident in what he's putting together and not sort of be wishy-washy about it. Or, you know, you know, if, if somebody's not producing, they're not going to be out there. You know what I mean? Like, and right now it looks like that's Gonzalo Ramos, to be honest. We we had that era where you just played no matter what, and that was with Neymar and Messi and some of the other big names. And so we need to get away from that. And you're right, if you're not producing. A um, couple of things here with uh, Ramos. Um, you know, signed, I'm just looking here, 
65 million euro from Benfica to, to PSG. That's a, a big chunk of change to have for a player that you're subbing off at halftime against Dodarim because he's not producing in a game like that. You expect him to be doing something. And to be honest, I actually forgot he was even out on the pitch. I think it's more to do like what you're saying. There's just not a lot of chances being created. He's not getting that service. It's something that we've talked about um, on the show before. We've had Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise. We talked about like, do PSG even practice corners because they're just so bad at it and they don't have the players. And I was just looking like how many goals are actually scored from crosses to begin with. And, and I just did a quick search and this was from 2017. So, you know, but I, I think in general, and it says that, you know, 18.6 crosses per match, uh, the top European teams, but only one in every 64 crosses is directly translated into a goal. So there's a lot of emphasis on, oh, we got to get the ball in the box, we got to cross. And sure, that maybe that applies pressure, but really when it comes to goals, it doesn't really result. So maybe Luis Enrique is, might be wise to get away from that strategy, use the wings a little bit more and overlapping runs and maybe getting a more creative player in midfield. I've never been sold on like, got to have crosses in the box. You have to have a Cavani in there to get on the end of it. I just don't yeah. know if that's the way PSG need to play. Yeah. And I don't think that's the way PSG have to play either. Yeah. But, and I, I don't know if we want to go into to the Milan game when you're down two to one, and you're playing against a team that has, is really sort of locking you down and you're not generating chances through sort of your passing patterns. Like you have to have the ability to cross, even if it's not, even if it's not always, um, even if it's not always the, the number one option in a <laughs> game like that, you need to be able to generate dangerous situations. Sometimes you have to throw the analytics out the window and go, we're just going to put a ball in and hope it bangs around and hits some people. And somebody just shuffles it in the back of the net. The, like, the hockey tactic, just throw the puck at the net. It'll get in there. Yes. As I'm, as I'm currently watching my beloved Rangers <laughs> take the lead here. Or maybe, I mean, we saw last year with Galtier, we would constantly get killed on those diagonal long passes or, you know, balls over the top. I think that might be more of a strategy. The, no. the strategy has to be you have to adapt to the game you're playing. So you can't fall behind 2-1 in the second half and then have no shot of being able to get yourself a goal because you can't, you know, vary your attack enough to, you know, and you're not good enough at crossing the ball. Like, again, it's not something you always have to do, but it's something in a situation like that where it really comes in handy to have a guy who can just get you a goal. And I was saying this a little bit in the uh, on Twitter after, after, during that game. I'm like, they're taking Mbappe out of the game. And it's not hard to take him out of the game if you're, if you're down and you have to, you know, attack an eight, nine man box, right? Like Killians has to dribble through two, three guys. And there were times where Milan were just double and triple teaming him. And there was no way through that. So you had to sort of do something else. And you just saw the limitations. Like, and you see it. PSG are a, are a really, and I think they're going to be, a really good front-running kind of team. And this is what they are when they're at their best, where they get a lead, and this is a lot of teams, but I think PSG in particular because of the way they counter. They're going to get a lead, 
They're going to force the other team to get out of their game plan and attack them. And then you generate chances off the counter and you just start opening up the space. So why don't we see more, especially in the Champions League, where they just opening whistle at Newcastle? You go for it. You you try to get that early goal. I don't, I don't really see that too much. But you're right. No, I agree I, with you. I, and I think they did that against Milan. And I thought they got the first goal, you know, sort of against the run, but not totally yeah, against the run of play. with the wide open header off the, the cross, as we say, yeah. they don't really cross. That's what well, was a, I think goals. it was on a corner. <laughs> I think they got it on a corner, but. Um, That's right. Yeah. But like my point would be, they, you know, Milan scored like two seconds into that, you know, like two minutes after that. So that sort of took away any ability for them to, you know, the front settle in. was short lived. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But you see what happens when PSG can get ahead. Where, like when they got ahead of a, like it's easier to do that at home. And football is is one of those weird sports where I think the home. Sometimes I think the home and road stuff is overrated, but I don't think it's overrated in football. I think it's vastly underrated how much better you play at home as opposed to when you're on the road, especially with a young team like PSG who are still learning, you have to understand something. They're not, a lot of those guys have never played significant major Champions League minutes before. Some of them have, some of them haven't in different contexts. Playing for PSG in the Champions League is different than playing for Benfica in the Champions League. It's just a different thing. The expectations are different. The pressure's different. You know, it's I would just say a in different... that game, Zaire Emery, you know, 17 years old, Ugarte come from sporting. He probably, yes. you know, doesn't have that. Vitinha as well. Even Kolomowani coming from Frankfurt. I don't Frankfurt. know how many no, massive it's a, matches. It's, yeah. different. it's a different level. You're playing a much more, it's much pressure filled on the road in these big, you know, in these big legendary stadiums. Like, it's a very tough, um, it's a very tough situation to put those those kids in and they have to learn but like to me the weird part and i think the sort of unforgivable part the part where i think that that i i hope that luis enrique is seriously going at his team about it happened against newcastle and it happened against ac milan and you may know where i'm going with this there was a ball in the box against AC against same thing against Newcastle, but I'll describe the AC Milan one because it's more reason. Ball goes in the box with Rand uh, with Rafael Leao. He goes for a header. The ball goes out of the box, and Rafael Leao goes down. So did he? Keep- sit- yeah. And for the second time, PSG just stop. They stop playing. And literally, uh, an AC Milan player is able to run onto the ball with nobody playing him, put a cross in, Skriniar's standing there, and Olivier Giroud just jumps over him and puts a header in. Like, it's just... It's a very weird thing that you don't see happen all the time you know what i mean like you don't see you don't see teams just stop playing in a major professional football match 
You're professional footballers. Play to the whistle. This is like elementary school stuff. Yeah. Come on. No, it's it's like it's it's middle school football where you just sort of stop because you're not sure what you're doing. And I do, I find it, I find it incredibly bizarre. And I, I, the problem is we don't have a professional actual football media in France that will ask that question. I don't think anyone asked it. Did you remember anyone asking that question? No, we, we don't have a function. No, why would they ask that question? They probably <laughs> were asking about if Kylian Mbappe is going to Real Madrid for the 80th time. Right. <laughs> but like nobody asks, you know, why are your players stopping in the middle of plays? In when the ball is in a dangerous area, why are they stopping and looking for the ref to call a penalty or a foul or whatever? It's completely ridiculous. Completely and agree. It's unprofessional. Even more than that, it's completely unprofessional. And I and I'm just you you hope that over time that stuff doesn't happen anymore, and that they, these younger players learn from those. <laughs> sort of clear and obvious mistakes, right? Like, yeah. and it's weird. Like it's the back line again, probably your most experienced part of your team that is uh, ironically enough, making these mistakes. It, that's what I want to talk about. It, it, just to go back to the Reams match. Um, we mentioned that they had 19 total shots, six on target, the XG of 1.4. It seems like with Luis Enrique, the Marquinhos and Skriniar center back pairing is what you're going to go with. Um, we saw, Soler back there and Mukiele. He's kind of moving things around in this match, but that yeah. back line, the, the back four, it, it's not doing it for me. They don't give you a whole lot of confidence. We saw against Milan, they gave up a goal. We saw here it was a clean sheet, but that's only because Donnarumma was, uh, to use a ho another hockey, was standing on his head there making incredible saves. Um, we saw against Newcastle, just got completely just blitzed by their, their players, and our defense had no... They just looked like they had never played before. They were just, you know, a deer in headlights. So what are we going to do with this back line? What, do you have a preferred back four? Do we need another signing in January? What, what do you think? Um, I think part of it is your your back, your your fullbacks are, are really offensive. So it's, you know, you're not playing with overly defensive fullbacks. So that, that, that sort of puts more pressure on the, on the two center backs, but I've sort of liked Skriniar. I think Skriniar has been good. I think Skriniar is good in the air. I think he's good in the air in the middle of the field positioning himself. He rarely gets, for a guy that's not very fast, he rarely gets beat. He's usually in decent position. That is the understatement of the year, not very fast. He is No, but he's not. But, you, but my point is you can, <laughs> he, the, like, Tiago Silva was not fast. I want to make people remember that. Tiago Silva, I'm not saying he's directly like Tiago Silva. But we probably haven't had a guy with sort of the, the kind of instincts defensively since that. And I do think he's very good. And I think he's underrated. And I think he doesn't make the sort of flashy plays. But positionally, he has been very sound for this team. And I don't think he's been the problem. I think the problem's the other guy. The, the goal that Drew scored, I, I do blame Skriniar. He was just standing there looking around and Drew just went yes. right over his yes. back and scored. But in, in yeah. In general, I don't blame him. Yeah. The the problem is the other guy, who's for some reason is still the captain of this team, and I can't understand it. I I that's the one where I'm like, they have to get the captaincy off this guy. 
either get rid of him or get the captaincy off of him. Whatever I think, way. I think he goes this the next summer. I think in the transfer window, I, I think I a bit from because I'm sorry, there's just too much there's too much failure there. And and I don't I don't want to put it all on Marquinhos because that would be unfair. But he feels to me like a symbol of that failure. He's the last man and standing. He really is. Like, I don't put that I don't put that failure on Killian because Killian's scoring 30 goals a year. I don't put that failure on, you know, some of those younger guys. Marquinhos has been there forever. He's he's seen all of it. And I, I he you know, like when everyone's healthy. Let's look at the let's look at this. When everyone's healthy, you're gonna have new. You're gonna have Nuno Mendes on the as the left back. You're gonna have Akimi as the right back. You're gonna have Skriniar as the other one of the center backs, and then you have Presnel Kimpembe and um, Lucas Hernandez and Nord Mukieli. Danilo can I, play a little bit of center Danilo back. Danilo can play a little. I'm of. I'm at a point where it's like if Presnell is healthy. I'd like to see him playing alongside Skriniar because I think he can offer you a little more athleticism so you don't sort of have the two old guys in the back. Or not even that Skriniar's old, but you, 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 you get a little speed so that one of those, like you want your center backs to complement each other. And I feel like they don't, like Skriniar and Marquinhos don't complement each other. And I like what Skriniar does better than what Marquinhos does. I like, I like, you know, if you put a sort of a, a younger, faster uh, center back next to Milan Skriniar, I think you'll be okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think you'll be okay. I, I we don't know. I mean, he's coming off um, Kimpembe. Just you don't um, know. You really don't. don't. Know and that's him. the. But I do think this should be Marquinhos's last season at at PSG. I think. Yeah. It's pretty obvious at this point that like. Whatever it is, he's just not that guy. Like he definitely shouldn't be the captain. Like I think it's pretty obvious he shouldn't be the captain of the team. Like that, I think that was a mistake when they gave it to him. It, you know, in hindsight, yeah. I think it was a mistake that they gave it to him. And I, I just think this team, this team needs. It's a new era of PSG, and I feel like you don't want the old guard leadership. You know. With that, like you, you want you want new leaders. Completely agree. I think Marquinhos could he join Verratti in the the Qatar league, or does he go to the Saudi league? But I, I think that's probably going to be his next destination. We'll ride out this season. We'll give him a good send off. But I, I think you're, I think as the season winds down, you're going to start hearing uh, some rumors about his future. I think the solution is right there in Ligue 1. You sign Lenny Yoro over in uh, uh, Lille. I think that's the player you get. Uh, six foot three, 18 years old. As you have this youth movement in PSG, you bring him in, you pair him with Skriniar, a, a veteran. You can teach him a thing or two. I love that pair. I think that's where you got to go um, if, if PSG can sign him. But he's getting some um, attraction from Premier League clubs and, and other places. So the defense is certainly an issue. Hopefully they can get that sorted out. It, it definitely gives me heart palpitations watching it. I want to ask you one more question about the rematch, and then we'll, we'll switch real quick to the AC Milan match. Um, afterwards, Luis Enrique had this quote. I'm not really happy with Kylian Mbappe today. 
on the goals, I have nothing to say. But he can help the team more in a different way. I'll talk to him about it uh, first. I'll, I'll never tell you what it is because it's private. Killian is one of the best in the world, but we need more. We want him to do more things. Mark. Do you, do, you, do you think he was? You th- do you think he was being a little bit tongue in cheek there? Mm. Maybe a little bit with the "I'll never tell you," um, but I do think he maybe wants more out of him. I mean, we saw against AC Milan, Kylian Mbappe was being was being double and triple teamed, and he wasn't able to really find a teammate who was trying to beat you know two three players. So maybe he does want more out of him. But yeah. read through read through the lines here. I mean, what what oh. is Luis Enrique getting at? Well, I'll, I'll say this is a general point. I think if you can't criticize your top guy, then you're 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 in trouble. And I think PSG, are, it's good to see that Luis Enrique can do that and feels comfortable doing that. Like, you know, Tuchel was comf- fairly comfortable doing that. But like, you like to see that they're you know that they can, you know, go at not go at, but like just. Hold your hold your best players to the highest possible standard. I don't think that's a bad thing, and I don't think he did it in like a mean, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out kind of way. I think it was more tongue in cheek, but I think he got the, I think he got the general message across. I think the point was made, whatever that point needed to be. So I don't think there's much to that, to be honest. And I think Killian is very capable of dealing with criticism. I don't think it's this big deal, and I think the the more I think PSG fans and media sort of understand that this is sort of how functional, healthy teams work. The better, you know what I mean? Like I, I do. I'd like to. I'd like to see this team act like a functional unit for once. And That's how Pep Guardiola runs things are, at Manchester City. He he'll bench a player who criticizes if he, he thinks it, it needs it. He knows his players, and I think Luis Enrique in deal in, in just being around Mbappe probably knows like, yeah. hey, this kid can take a little constructive criticism. Yeah. You don't have to walk on eggshells with these guys. They're professionals. Killian's almost 25 years old at this point. Like he should be able to he should be able to deal with this kind of stuff in my in my opinion. I agree. All right, Mark, you ready to talk a little Champions League? Um, yeah, we did get, a little bit, but we'll get into it a little more, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to get your your take on the Milan loss and then, you know, looking ahead, how do you see the matches against we got Newcastle at home, Dortmund away. I want to know how you think they're going to play out. Can PSG advance? How how confident are you? So just take all of those and just run with the Champions League and all things PSG in the Champions League. Go for it. Um, I didn't say I expect. I, I I thought the Milan loss might have been a little worse than it was. I thought maybe we we I thought they showed up halfway decently. They were just again those those brain farts and stuff. But it's just it's it's a very difficult. Um, <laughs> It's a very difficult thing when you're when you're not uh, when you're not an experienced team and you're going on the road to pull these wins out. And it's, it's, it's really honestly, PSG are basically about where I expected them to be. I really didn't expect it to be much more than that. Like I didn't expect this team to all of a sudden just show that they're you know a top team in Europe right away in the first year of a new system. Right? Like I just I didn't expect that. What did you think about the officiating? Because I, I, we had the podcast, and I thought, you know, one goalkeeper having to deal with things being thrown at them in the middle of a match during like a free kick, I thought that was not appropriate. And the fact that AC Milan didn't have a recorded foul till the 66th minute or whatever it was after an hour, that seems yeah. a little suspect. I, I thought the officiating is not why PSG lost, but certainly 
aided AC Milan having the performance they did. Certainly did. I thought the officiating in the Milan game was awful. I thought it was god-awful. I thought it was cynical. I thought it was ridiculous that a guy can say that that you could literally basically not call a foul on, on one team until the 65th minute of the game. And that That's really, it's really stretches credulity. And I'm not saying that they were on the take or anything, but I'm saying it's like PSG were playing. It, it felt like sometimes, and I, I do see this in some, some circumstances, and this is sort of what happened with the Dennis Ayetkin 6-1 game where the ref just gets caught up in the atmosphere and they just start like calling the game in the flow and sort of like you know what I mean you, you got what I'm saying right like they just get caught up in being in that atmosphere so they start hearing the crowd mm-hmm. and they start anticipating the fouls it's like it just it's human instinct and I thought the, the official it didn't I think overly determine the outcome of the game it wasn't egregious to that extent it's not like they were taking goals off the it's not like they were you know erasing goals or calling penalties and you know it just it sort of screwed up PSG's rhythm and I thought it became very hard for PSG to sort of play aggressively when pretty much everything they did was a foul well and I thought with the Giroud goal everyone stopped playing which you never want to do but I thought certainly I think it was Leal missed the ball takes out Hakimi that should have yeah. been a clear foul and it wasn't and then we see what it leads to so something like that PSG shouldn't have stopped playing but the official should have done his job and that's why I said earlier PSG just need to just stop you're not going to get the calls ever in this tournament you just never it's going to go against you just go into the the match with the mentality that you're down a goal and and just suck it up and play through these things stop, you got to play to the whistle keep playing don't get overly emotional things are not going to go your way we've been doing this for how many years it never goes our way from the from the draw to what goes on in the matches it never goes our way and you have to just accept that no matter who the players are we've we've changed the squad over year after year it's some things never change though um and it's the the yeah but you know the the i i would i wouldn't say this would be one of those situations i think this was just more yeah you're on the road in the san siro you're just not going to get calls on the road in the San Siro. Like, no. no matter who you are. Right. Seriously, no matter who you are, you're not getting calls on the road in the San Siro. It's just not going to happen. So you just have to live. You have to live with that. You do have to. There is a certain degree of you have to live with that, you know, that outcome. Yeah. But I, I think the bigger issue here is PSG are in the exact kind, you know, for this kind of team, this is sort of the kind of situation I expected them to be in. And to be fair, really what PSG have to do is beat Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah, it's at all, home, they, where they don't lose. Beat Newcastle at home. That's what you have to do. And if you can't do that, you probably don't deserve to go through, to be honest. So you have to beat Newcastle at home, which the way Newcastle is playing seems to be very doable. And you <laughs> and you, yeah. admit, you imagine that Newcastle are going to bunker in, unlike yep. how they played at home. They're going to bunker in. And... PSG are going to have their opportunities. They're going to have their chances, and they're going to have to take advantage of those chances and opportunities. Yeah, this is going to be playing like a league on the side. Uh, Newcastle are going to be missing some of the players that were out there uh, in that first match where PSG just got blown away. But yeah, they're going to be sitting back, and that's exactly what we've been struggling with, right? And you're saying, yeah. oh, we got to cross the ball, but we don't really have a target person. So, And I don't know if Gonzalo Ramos has really earned a starting place, but maybe in that match, he makes sense. He could get on the end of a cross. Um, 
it's going to be really, really tricky. I could see that one. Maybe PSG escape 1-0. But yeah, Newcastle are going to be just. Well, and and this is going to be weird. It's really the. It's really the. It, you know, it's not. They're not in a terrible spot because if Dortmund beats Milan and PSG beats Newcastle, both PSG and Dortmund, um, Dortmund are through, and then they play for first place. Yeah. The following game. Yeah, they can just kick Which the is ball all around PSG in a can circle. do. Just win the game. <laughs> Just win. Because even it's if they lose, if they win the game, they at least get without anything else happening. You at least guarantee yourself Europa League. Which, which we don't really. Which I want to say this, and I want to make this point. I okay. think it's very clear to make this point. That is a distinct possibility here, and I, I I don't want people to, you know, get blindsided by the fact that PSG could very easily be playing in the Europa League in February. And the fact of the matter is that will not be the end of the world. The, the You don't have to fire the manager. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to get rid of Luis Campos. You don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. You can, you can accept that fate. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if uh, Mbappe is going to be sticking around if we're in Europa League. I don't know if that's a project he wants to sign up for, but. We may not have them anyway after the season anyway. Um, but I'm with you. I think that if PSG lose or they don't they don't get the, you know, they, maybe it's a draw uh, against Newcastle at the Parc de Prince, I think if they need to go to Dortmund needing a win to secure them advancing, I don't like their chances. If they go to no, Dortmund... No, I do not. I, I do not like Dortmund, their chances. Yeah, but if they just need a, a result or a win to maybe get first place, I think that's... With all that pressure on this young team, no. If we need to go to get there to get a win to advance, just pack our bags for the Europa League. I just don't like their chances. I I agree. I do not like their chances after that. And it seems like uh, again, Dortmund are very they much should on be the able, ascension, the, the, too. The good news is they should be able to beat Newcastle at home. That's the good news. We've got the international break. You never know what's going to happen during that. Injuries, fatigue. Yeah. It's always a weird time. I don't know why we have them in the midst of the, the biggest club tournament in the world. But so be it. PSG have to deal with uh, the international break. Got a, a difficult stretch of matches. Um, so after the break, PSG are going to host Monaco. That's a big game. Then they then the, the Newcastle match we've already talked about. Then you get a little bit of a break. You, you go against Le Havre and, and Nantes, kind of a little warm-up, get your mind right, score some goals. And then you got to go to Dortmund, where their yep. Champions League lives could be on the line. Give me a prediction with all of those matches. Uh, let's say after the Dortmund, after the group stage, Mark, where do you think PSG are going to stand both d- domestically and in the Champions League? Well, I think what's going to happen is that PSG are going to be first in their domestic league and I think they're going to finish second in their group that just that would be my opinion because I I still I I still uh put money on them being able to beat Newcastle at home I still think they're a really good home team you know they really PSG are a very good home team I I don't see I don't see a a world where they lose that. I, I just don't see that happening. And I'm usually the more pessimistic one in these situations. I don't see them losing to Newcastle. I, I've been very confident on on Twitter saying, you know, let's run that back in pairs. Because you're right, PSG are very, very good. Um, 
especially in the Champions League at home. I think that place is going to be rocking. PSG will know what Newcastle did to them. They'll want revenge. Um, and we'll see. If they finish second, though, PSG could go up against a Manchester City who have already qualified. If they finish first, maybe PSG will, will get matched up with Leipzig, with Xavi Simmons. That could be uh, interesting. A lot of really, really interesting matchups if PSG could just get to the knockout stage. I would put my confidence, I'm, I'm probably around like 75 80%. Um, positive that they're going to advance, but you, this is yeah. football. You never know, and we see we talked about the uh, refereeing. You really never know how this thing's going to play out. Mark, any final words before we uh, let you run here? No, I think we covered pretty much everything we wanted to cover. We did, yes. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on, and, and thank you all for listening. I uh, really appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, just go ahead and leave us a review. Always enjoy reading those. And, uh, of course, we're on Substack and uh, PSGtalk.com, as I mentioned, at the top of the show. All right, Mark, with that, thank you so much. Allez, PSG. Au revoir for now.